This conversation with the Pakistani visual artist Rashid Rana is a reflection of the turmoil and transition in his world and ours, he'll tell you. It's number 20 in an audio series we're calling Another Pakistan, recorded in midsummer 2011. It's a co-production of the Watson Institute at Brown University and the Asia Society. I'm Christopher Leighton in Lahore, the cultural capital of Pakistan, with the visual artist Rashid Rana. He is Pakistan's prize entry in the globalizing art scene. His work is an eye-popping reflection of the turmoil and the transition that Pakistan is going through. This is open source from the Watson Institute at Brown University. American conversation, global attitude, Pakistani partners, and not with politicians and strategists when we can find artists, writers, the keepers of Pakistan's imagination. Rashid Rana, I think you're it. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming to Pakistan. It's a great pleasure to be in your studio. May I just say what's so fascinating, especially in a young artist, 43 years old, is the record of so many opposites and so much change in a young life. East, West, local, global, past to present, and in your case, from paint on canvas to photo montage and mosaics. So we're talking about tradition and innovation, analog to digital. You're on so many cutting edges. I want you to guide us through all of them because we're all there in a way. Yes, uh, my uh, uh, particular circumstances, where I come from, what I have been through in terms of journey, has led me to what you just described uh, in a few words. And uh, I would say that I'm fortunate to have gone through these experiences and to be at a position where I am. Uh, though I'm living in Pakistan, but I think people like me are really between the two cultures of the East, so-called East and West. Go back to your first drawings, your first paintings, your first sense that, wow, there's a visual world out there to tackle. Actually, to take you further back, uh, even before I joined the art school, I never knew that I would be an artist. Uh, I never had the exposure to even consider that this can be a profession for myself or for a male. Uh, so I think my entry into the art world or art school was incidental to begin with. Mm. I always wanted to be an engineer. And my family, my father, uh, who uh, was a cop, wanted to me wanted me to become either army personnel or a civil servant so that I have you know power and something that he missed in his life because of lack of education he could not get promoted to a you know bigger rank but one thing he made sure of is to give education to his kids and that's the best thing he's done for us you're the youngest of five I read. I'm the youngest of five yeah could we talk about a piece called I love miniatures it looks at first glance, like one of those miniature profile portraits of a mogul royal of some sort. But when you get up close, it's made up sort of Chuck Close style of many, many, many images out of advertising in Pakistan today. As far as Pixar is concerned, yes, there will be a similarity, a distant similarity with Chuck Close. But uh, this technique of uh, creating something out of uh, smaller images is nothing uh, that I would take credit for. Um, I will, however, will take the credit of uh, using this as a conceptual and formal device in my work 
and I arrived to it um, uh, and making this particular work that you mentioned called mm. I Love Miniatures in 2002. In a way, uh, since my journey as a student first in Pakistan as an art student and then later in Boston at Massachusetts College of Art, from that point to 2002, there was a struggle with myself and with my with the art world outside me mm. as to what they expected of me and what I was supposed to produce. And I tried to run away from it, but I couldn't. And I had to deal with it and I had to deal with it, you know, face on. And and that's what this is, was the solution. Uh, the epiphany in my career when I made this work called I Love Miniatures with smaller, tiny scale images of billboards of Lahore and I joined them together to make a portrait of a Mughal emperor which looked like a traditional miniature painting mm -hmm. something that was actually uh, was very much in vogue in the 90s uh, and it was well received within Pakistan and as well as outside Pakistan as a revival of you know tradition and there were a group of artists who are now known as neo-miniaturists who gain a lot of recognition for it which and some of the works are amazing but my whole issue with that was that only something that has ethnic label is going to be recognized as Pakistani. So if this is the way it's going to be, I'm going to just subvert this idea and do what I want to do and say what I want to say. So I showed them a miniature painting that they wanted to see. And in doing so, I made it with the help of billboards of the city uh, Lahore, where I live, and my immediate visual culture and put it together in the form of a Mughal Emperor's portrait. And that's how this journey of documenting uh, paradoxes uh, and dealing with duality started with this formal and conceptual device. It helps that Lahore is such a visual place. I mean, all kind of billboards, small billboards, homemade billboards, movie posters, were bombarded with imagery on the street in Lahore. Not to mention, just momentarily, the, all the art I see in people's houses. That may be elite houses, but it's fresh, it's original, it's local. It's homegrown, and it seems to have real meaning to the people who live there. Then there's a series of paintings called Veil, Veil 1, Veil 2, Veil 3. And they're, you know, from across the room, they're pictures of women under their covering, or the covering around the women. When you get up close, very close, they look like images off porn sites on the web. They don't just look like they are actually <laughs> hardcore porn. Uh, that I made use of to uh, make larger images of uh, women wearing veils. So this is an image which you, lots of us, either here or in the West, have come across on the media, especially after 9-11. Whenever there is a mention of a country, uh, Muslim country, uh, this image has become synonymous to, uh, uh, to that. And, 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 and I thought it will be interesting if I can show the two sides of the same coin and that is the misrepresentation of the same uh, the women uh, of the you know Islamic uh, countries and the women uh, from the West. Because the other side is that men who are, haven't been exposed to the West or have traveled there, because of their exposure to pornography, they all think of Western women as very promiscuous and, 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 and they think that when they're going to land in the West, the people will be having sex on the roads or streets. I mean, <laughs> so this is the, and, and I can recall in the 80s, I've heard that uh, during Zihaz regime, I've heard that people who, men from remote, far remote areas where there's no electricity, they would attach their tractor battery to the VCR and the television to watch porn. So I thought, what if I make an image of a veiled woman with the help of this hardcore porn, and this will represent the 
two sides of the same coin, but actually the image will be two in one. It will not even be two sides. This will literally be one image. <laughs> and that's what I've done. <laughs> and then there's the red carpet, which is, uh, again, from across the room, a beautiful, gorgeous representation of a, of a Persian or Eastern carpet. My first thought was, aha, I can see there are elements there, but this is how carpets were made, after all inch by inch, thread by thread, assembled. But when you get up close, these are images of mayhem, blood, gore, death. Uh, what's this all about? As, as you have noticed that my work is mostly uh, to do with contradictions and dualities and paradoxes. So uh, after having gone through this first phase of making works like these from 2004 till 2006, um, I realized, I look back and I realize and, and that my practice uh, is mostly about uh, self and the other, you know, how we are perceived. And then I thought, you know, it's, it's becoming predictable and I just wanted to look at uh, internally also. And, 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 and so the red carpet is, is about uh, not only uh, self and the other and how we are perceived uh, uh, from outside, uh, because, you know, oriental rug is an image which is often associated with this region and the craft and the beauty and all of those things come into play. But at the same time, the most recent times, um, a similar kind of association is made with the images of violence, So, the, which is the other extreme. So I wanted these two extremes uh, to be together. And also at the same time, while doing so, I wanted to examine uh, if there is a you know violent streak in certain uh, elements of society. So I should acknowledge that rather than be protective of mm. uh, self-critique. So uh, that's what is happening uh, in this work, which perhaps is more evolved than my earlier works uh, that were produced before 2007. Is there any short way to explain where you get these images? I mean, images of trash, for example, that cover walls, in effect. Tiny, tiny images of rubbish and right. garbage and right. filthy streets or whatever. Right. How do you put those things together? And then how do you... How do you make the whole? Oh, well, you're referring to uh, uh, two works of mine. Uh, one is called Offshore Accounts and the other one is called The World is Not Enough and in which I have only used images of rubbish. Um, I'll just explain you the way I have created it. Um, first of all, I took a few pictures of rubbish and then I've been dealing, uh, thinking about the idea. Then I um, discovered a site outside Lahore. It's a landfill site where all mm. the garbage is dumped. And it's really a fascinating, I mean, I'm not exoticizing, you know, <laughs> garbage, but in one side, it's like piles and piles of land. It's more like a landscape. So I, uh, with the help of uh, a team of uh, freelance young photographers, I photographed that site for about a month to accumulate, um, you know, images almost close to 100,000 uh, images. And then those images were used uh, to uh, form these images. And the way I construct these images, I make use of all kinds of computer softwares. Uh, basic ones are more advanced ones that form formulate such mosaics. And I also keep the option open for myself to manually uh, maneuver and change images wherever needed. Mm. And, uh, and, and wherever I need any help, extra help, because the love work is very labor intensive, I don't shy away from uh, using such help. I don't have any such romantic ideas attached to uh, the you know, uh, use of artist's hand or mm. intervention. Take apart the idea, please, uh, behind that image of the world is not enough. More garbage than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, there's so much garbage, uh, images of garbage in this work that I think this work no longer remains about garbage. 
and it definitely goes beyond that uh, because of that sheer presence of only garbage so much on your face as far as back as uh, my boston days when i was studying at mass art i even then i made paintings which looked deceptively abstract uh, despite my interest in political issues uh, deep down i'm a formalist and i don't ever want to be away from it because at the end of the day a work is about form and language issues are temporary they just uh, catalyst an inspiration in a given time for me to make work but what would last is how i created a language so what i'm doing in that work is creating uh, a image that looks like action school painting and uh, school, as in like uh, a post war uh, american action school like box of pollock or uh, de kooning and uh, that kind of approach so it looks like abstract expressionist painting but and when you come closer you realize that uh, images of piles and piles of garbage are stitched together digitally to form an impossible view of uh, a huge landscape of uh, garbage which actually may not even exist or may not be even able able to uh, uh, photographed uh, on that scale so it's it's something between fiction and reality the garbage images of garbage are real what i form with it is unreal on one level on the other level it deals with history of art and on some other level uh, it deals with uh, you know popular culture also through the title that i have uh, created for this work uh, which reminds you of uh, james bond film the world is not enough <laughs> may i just say i feel a kind of masculinist agenda in a lot of this work this is and i don't mean to say anti-feminist either but it's it's guy work a lot of guns planes sex what's that about it's about me <laughs> i didn't want to be anybody else this is who i am i i am a male artist and some of my works uh, deliberately deals with the idea of male voice and and contributing um to the larger discourse of uh, gender studies uh, that's the series i'm talking about uh, from 2000 but apart from that all the other aspects that you noticed i think they they may be there uh, because perhaps I don't believe in uh, being politically correct as an artist and 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 let the, my ideas come through uh, as uh, with regards to what I am and who I am mm. and and the reflection of uh, my surroundings. So summing up so far I mean your images draw on almost everything they touch on issues of gender Pakistani nationalism for example your own personal life the headline stuff of Pakistan today meaning terrorism and jihadism militarism is there anything you're not trying to get into this story um actually back in the mid 90s when i returned from boston the few decisions i made I, uh, with myself i told myself that i'm no longer going to make work which is for an audience of five people previously i believed that a good work is only something that is appreciated by just a few people so there was a major shift in my thinking and approach towards art making and that whole uh, shift in my approach led to my interest in popular culture broad visual culture uh, collecting images from uh, you know all sort of popular sources and uh, whether news media textbooks posters films and later on i realized that these divides that we create as an artist that uh, that particular artist is is a more of a uh, uh, intellectual artist or uh, you know the whole divide between the personal and public and intellectual and emotional uh, conceptual and formal i discarded all those divides i thought i mean all those things do exist in all of us in varying degrees and in different proportions 
and i would let all those things uh, uh, all those aspects of my personality come out in my work i would not uh, filter anything as such and this was a conscious choice to deal with a variety of subject matters and variety of issues uh, and however i wanted some kind of conceptual framework to hold all these varied interests of mine together so they are uh, making some kind of sense to the viewer and and can tell them about my position so my work looks appear to be very much uh, uh, about uh, as you said headlines my personal life my, 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 i mean popular culture um i wanted them to be easily recognizable about as as in any of these things because the age we are living in it's very much an age of advertisement and and a consumer culture where we are bombarded with so many images and often as an artist one has to compete with those images so i deliberately wanted my works to be large in scale and having uh using imagery that is not scary or or so subtle and it's something very easily uh readable so i wanted to access wider audience so that when they first come across my work they it just find it attractive and appealing uh in a similar way the way they come across advertisement if there's any deeper content that can come later so this is just the bait mm-hmm. i would say and 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 they might seems to be uh, about all these things that you mentioned in the first glance but i hope that they reveal other layers and they become about something else when you spend time with it rashid it just strikes me that the inclusiveness of your work also makes pakistan more interesting to us as visitors i mean it is a place where we're all learning to deal with consumerism as you say the digital media a level of fear and violence that we wouldn't have imagined 50 years ago all of the adjustments that east and west are going to be making over the next 50 years i mean it's all here i wonder do you design to to make pakistan a sort of laboratory of 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 the 21st century the thing about pakistan is that uh, it is not a country about which you can ask a question and expect one answer for example if you going to say something about women of pakistan there's no one answer there's no one reality here there's so many times and eras that we uh, coexist over here but if you must uh, ask my own views about pakistan if it is a laboratory for everything i would say that pakistan is a mini globe is a mini world whatever exist in the world today the polarity the polarization the you know the extremely rich countries and the extremely poor countries and uh, all the differences and all the you know diversity and variety that exist that is in a way encapsulated in this place called pakistan mm. it's a mini model a mini version of the entire globe mm. one other piece of your work fascinates me and that's the digital dimension The digital revolution of course is everywhere. I don't know that I've ever felt it as sharply in art as I do in your work and in the work of others around here. You know the architect Frank Gehry says he couldn't possibly have built those buildings, bent that titanium without computers. And your work would be unimaginable without all those multimedia digital tricks that anybody can do nowadays. One of your fellow teachers 
said to us, her students don't live in Pakistan quite as much as they live now in cyberspace. <laughs> we don't hear much hope about changing politics or changing inequality or changing education in Pakistan. I mean, you'd hate to think that people are just giving it up for for some electronic nirvana. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's true. Um, in Pakistan, the primetime television are the political talk shows because people either they want some kind of catharsis or they generally want a change but whatever it is they are deeply deeply interested in uh, listening to all these political talk shows because mm. they give you a hope about some kind of political change as if they are part of that discussion so uh, I, maybe this is a small percentage of teenagers who may be isolated from it uh, but I think majority of the people of the uh, young uh, individuals and, and in the uh, middle age, they're all uh, mm. uh, wanting change and they're taking very deep interest uh, in, 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 in enjoying this uh, freedom of media, uh, although it comes with its own problems also, mm. uh, but they, they are into it. So I, I, I beg to differ with you. Rashid, I wonder what you're learning from your own students. I think uh, they are living in a, a much real world than uh, earlier generations, uh, with all the due respect to earlier generations. There are about 15 to 20 artists, young artists, who are doing uh, really well in the international art scene. From Pakistan? From Pakistan. And uh, um, a few times I've uh, come across this question, who's their audience? And I even I have been asked, who's my audience? Especially because we show our work overseas. So this element of export, which, is, which comes into scrutiny. And on its surface, they might appear to be a so-called westernized and so-called, you know, influenced by, you know, internet. But the reality is, if you understand and look at their work and understand it deeper, uh, you would realize that they're looking at more real things in their surroundings. Hmm. Well, and it's maybe a combination of this hybrid of local and global, whereas the earlier generations, they were living in the romance of uh, being inspired by a movement that existed maybe two decades before they produced the work, which is Cubism. In the all the third world, you would find from those generation of modern artists, uh, regional mo modernism of, uh, that existed in the third world, you would find at least in each country five artists who were influenced by Cubism. And they were just used to you know, sort of customize it and, and, and bring in some kind of imagery from their own region to make it of their own. I feel I may be wrong, proven wrong in the times to come, but if I have to compare this um, generation of young artists from Pakistan with the earlier generations, they are much more real. Yeah. So, For example, they, uh, if there is somebody who may seem to be just dealing with a particular aspect of uh, Lahore City, or, of, or even if their own life that may have to do with uh, something that they receive uh, remotely or uh, long distance through uh, television or through internet or dish television, that is very much real. Just because on the surface it does not uh, employ any kind of traditional stylistic conventions. In other words, if it doesn't look, uh, you know, uh, uh, apparently ethnic, it is not a criteria that they are not uh, dealing with real things in their life. Whatever they are dealing with is, is more, more real than before. Hmm. Rashid Rana, you've embraced so many of the polar opposites you see everywhere, and you hear in conversation, you see on the street too in Pakistan. What's your gravest fear? What's your brightest hope? For life on earth? I don't think of Pakistan in isolation. Mm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that Pakistan is just a mini 
model of the entire globe and uh, anything if anything is going to happen here it's not going to happen in the in isolation my my uh, worries about pakistan is the lack of tolerance that is growing and uh, um as far as the world entire world is concerned my i really hope that you know uh, when my son grows up uh, lives in a world where is uh, there is this utopian uh, world government which ensures that everybody mm. on this planet uh, gets the basic uh, necessities of life uh, and uh, i often dream about it i often think that it's no longer utopia idea i can sit on uh, and, and write on paper and with the help of economist and some other uh, different kind of uh, friends of mine and put together some kind of um, new manifesto of this world i often dream about it this is something i not shared oh. with too many people i i just only dream that and it's, it's i i i really feel that the you know in this world the way uh, i may sound naive but the rich countries which can which make money beyond their certain revenue should be treated as individuals that they beyond certain revenue they should pay tax just like an individual in a civilized country would pay tax because they benefit from the system and resources of that country so the entire world should be treated as as a country and countries should be treated as individuals so if they're making certain money generating certain revenue that has to be pooled in and that's from central pool it has to be ensured that everybody has uh, uh, you know employment and basic necessity food water and and the basic things that are uh, the the basic very basis of a civilized developed world should be ensured for rest of the world and then mm-hmm. there will be no threat to anybody's way of life i i just only dream that and it's, it's i i i really feel that it, it is it is maybe because i'm an artist i i feel that it is very much doable it's the whole world that needs that change but can you imagine how it would start in this in your microcosm of pakistan yes absolutely i do feel that you know there's um, our problems are multiple uh, but if there's any end from which one can approach our problems is economic uh, these days religion uh, has been uh, demonized and abused and has often come, has often come into discussion with regards to uh, terrorism but it's unfortunate in in its core the problems are economic so if we talk about our microcosm uh, i think that uh, um, people uh, should pay taxes uh, i pay taxes more than majority of the politicians <laughs> and i think people should pay taxes and and said so that there could be some you know um, uh, justice to the society i think that will bring about a change rashid rana what's the best thing the united states could do for pakistan in this struggle only if they can go back in time and the billions of dollars they spend on the war on terror giving weapons and, and and selling weapons and if they can spend that money on building schools and art schools there will be a much bigger change over here i have in my life have gone through all kind of phases i was born in a, a lower middle class family and i went to a, a, a school where you would sit on the ground and then study there and then i went through a phase that i i i got into uh, better schools on the basis of some merit and and uh, there was a phase that i have was very religious i could have gone on that path instead i ended up at nart school incidentally and that has taken me to where i am right now and it's the power of art is the power of education rashid rana it's such a joy to get this close to your work Thank you for sharing your dream too. It's been a great pleasure.
Thank you. Thank you for listening to my uh, utopian ideas. <laughs> Thank you. Ben Mandelkern produced and edited this conversation in Lahore with the visual artist Rashid Rana. Our series, Another Pakistan, is a co-production of the Watson Institute and the Asia Society. Zarmini Ansari is our producer in Pakistan. Thanks also to Bina Sarwar of the Aman Ki Asha peace effort between Pakistan and India. The conversations continue from South Asia and also online. Listeners, please feedback your views. Your Pakistan with a comment on our website, radioopensource.org. I'm Christopher Leiden. Thank you for being part of the Open Source Conversation. 